Hello and welcome to Trolls of the Two Tom Bridges, or TO Triple TB. My name is John, and I play Percival Silverlight in this weird world that we call DD. Thank you for once again coming and having a listen to our strange and crazy adventures. We do appreciate it, and we do also appreciate your ear holes. Things take a bit of an intense turn this week, and I'm sure you'll be wanting to listen right to the end. And remember, you can tell us what you think of this and all of the other episodes on any of our social media channels on TOTTTB Podcast. That's TOTTTB Podcast. Now, without further ado, adventure! Percival Silverlight. We have been enjoying the company of the merchant princes Jobel, Ikene, and Wakanga whilst at the Colosseum. We have both won and lost money, but more importantly, we may have even won some friends in the good merchant princes. Before we head to the Temple of Severas to meet Grandfather Setembe and the ritual which may help us find the Death Curse. Myself and Zibi have one last flutter. This is turning out to be a rather relaxing day. Relaxing adventure! Anyway, back at the Colosseum. So... Um, yes, this next fight is coming up. Is there any roleplay you guys want to be doing with the Merchant Princes just now? Or anything else you want to ask before the fight starts? Um, yeah, I want to have uh, a chat with... I still can't remember the woman's name. Uh, Ekene. Ekene. Yeah, that's the one. I like, to think, I like to think every time she's just very patiently just said, It's Ekene. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a, I, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, uh, I'm worried about my monkey. Wouldn't we all uh, be? <laughs> uh, do you know anything about this wizard? The one that's taking on the, the ghouls there? He's one of the acolytes from Severus, actually. He's a, not exactly a regular. He doesn't, you know, participate in the Colosseum all the time. But, uh, when you're studying the arcane, it, sometimes you need to supplement your funds and, you know. He's a decent combatant fighter, as in, you know, with magic, of course. He's no. Uh, oh, she yeah. sort of does. She sort of does that thing where she dusts off her nails on her on her on her cloth, and it's just kind of like nothing uh, to me, of course, to a to a real fighter. But you know, he's he holds his own very well against the ghouls. They seem to be something of a favourite of his to show off his prowess of dealing with the undead. A lot of radiant damage. All right, hey, sounds like a decent chap then. Indeed, I believe his name is Kevin. <laughs> Kevin the wizard right. Kevin the um, wizard, yes um, Sounds very trustworthy mm. uh, He looks up and goes um, 
Uh, so, Jobo, are you taking the bets again there? Jobo looks over and says, I'd uh, happily take an opportunity to uh, win my money back, if you're willing. I, I think maybe... Uh, what are the odds on this chappy, by the way? Oh, ghouls are one of his specialities. This is more for Flash. If you if you wanted to uh, bet on him being defeated, I'd say that'd be very long odds, but there'd be very short odds on him winning, because, to be honest, he's an experienced fighter. But if you wanted to bet on something else, there are, again, three ghouls. Each are marked with the same colours you saw on the Velociraptors. If you perhaps wanted to make a bet, say, on something specific, like, say, which one would die first, perhaps, then that might be a bit more interesting. For instance, if I wanted to bet on a, a time period, you know, how quickly he defeats the ghouls. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so, out of, so out of character, um, you guys haven't faced ghouls yet, so I'm not sure yeah. if you would know how tough a ghoul is. If it was a case undead. of, like, just undead, then obviously you would have, you fought undead. Um, hmm. This said, yeah? would, would it be possible to... If we can see the ghouls, so we can get a, an idea of perhaps what they each look like and see what might go down first, for example. Because um, there might be one that's particularly beefy, you know, be, beef, beefy ghoul. A beefy ghoul, um, yes. Beefy ghoul. Uh, it's the kind of soup or something, isn't it? Beefy ghoul, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you hit them with um, a whip, would that be ghoulash? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think what I would look to do is to bet on him uh, succeeding in around about three minutes rather than five. Okay. All right. So on those odds, I'll say that three minutes is a one in three chance. Uh, so that would pay out three times the wager um, yeah. if you So if you yeah, win. three minutes, that's, that's what I'm doing Yeah. with, with 20 gold. Whereas for five minutes, I think that's at least one down, so that's going to be one to two. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. All right, so you're doing three minutes. Uh, I'm going to put ten down, but on the five minutes? Yeah. And in fairness, you're both saying within that much time, so actually, to be honest, you, you, you could potentially both win. Yep. If he, does do, if he does it within three minutes, then both of you win it. Okay, right. Okay, yep. Ten on that. Ten on those two? Right then. Okay, so... Once again, the crowd are cheering and clearly anticipating this fight, this showdown between the undead and the uh, young warlock. Um, <clears throat> I thought you said it was wizard. What did I say? I say warlock. Warlock. I meant yeah. wizard. Clearly. Oh. Um, <laughs> sorry. warlock, although that sounds better. <laughs> This is the most hilarious thing to listen to, by the way. <laughs> yeah. This has just been. Oh, this is just. This is my life. This is what I. This is what I discuss online. Anyway, his patron is a. He's a hamster. Or you hear. You hear slowly raising from the crowds. You hear people starting to clap, going. Kevin. 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 Kevin takes up his position in the middle of the arena, and he sits there calmly for a second. There's the ding of the bell, and the ghouls are released from three different corners. Kevin uh, immediately springs into action, casting up clearly some sort of ward to sort of shield himself, and fires a bolt at the ghoul running directly in front of him in order to stumble it before turning and literally sort of cartwheeling. So it seems to be quite an acrobatic wizard, which is a little bit unusual, but he uh, cartwheels away to give himself some space and uh, make some room. Zibby. Can I get a roll 
of a D4 from you. You certainly can. Uh, three. All right, okay. The battle rages for a little while. Kevin is throwing bolts of fire and electricity at the undead. And every now and then, with the great ooh from the audience, he shoots these rays of uh, golden beams that spring from his fingertips um, and clearly do great sizzling damage to these ghouls. They lash out with these incredibly long, sort of preternaturally long tongues that seem to even have, like, barbs on them, but they barely manage to get a strike on him. Zippy's particularly interested in watching this match as well, because obviously the undead, etc. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of an ex-girlfriend. As this is happening, Ekene leans forward and says that the tongues are particularly deadly. If one of them actually manages to get his skin, he's a goner, because they actually paralyze their prey with that tongue. There's toxins uh, coating the spikes along that. He's not got the flowing robes of a usual wizard. He's actually in, like, leather armor to give himself a better maneuverability so he can, you know, he can get out Mm. of the way of these things quicker while not uh, sacrificing the ability to cast his spell. CB turns back and he goes, That's something to bear in mind for the next time we're out in the jungle. <laughs> well, cartwheels. More than happy to, my friend. No being licked by a nasty thing. He never gets licked, but he does suffer one damage. At one point, a ghoul manages to spring forward faster than you can believe and strikes a uh, clawing blow against the wizard's side. Uh, It's not his tongue, however, so he doesn't seize up, but he does have a few moments of scrambling to try and make up the room, as you see the blood sort of seeping through his leather armour. Unfortunately for you, Zibi, as you watch, and sort of uh, keeping half an eye on that egg timer that Wakanga's got, the timer, I'm afraid, (laughs) passes for three minutes, and the fight continues. I'm afraid you have lost your bet. Percival, can I get a roll of a d6 from you? That's a three. That is a three. Okay, so the fight continues. Kevin is injured, and though he seems to wobble slightly on the leg that was uh, that was cut, his volley of spells suddenly actually increases. At one point, you know, it seems like the ghouls have got him. They're sort of closing in. But as they go to jump, he uh, places his, his palms to the ground, and there's this tremor that pulses out from him, and they, uh, they all go sprawling, and with a shocking touch... He takes out one of the ghouls and then swiftly firebolts a second one, leaving just him and the one other ghoul left. And Zibi, you're looking at the egg timer. You can see the sand trickling down. Time has almost run out for your five minutes. Kevin is there staring down this ghoul, quickly heals himself while the ghoul is trying to circle him. The ghoul lunges and there's this moment where it looks like it's going to grab him, but Kevin just does this sort of matrix back and casts lightning almost straight up through the creature and it dies as it passes over him and thuds to the ground Percival, for a second you were elated until you realised the egg cup is empty the time went past before the ghoul was killed and I'm afraid you have lost your bet as well but by the slimmest of margins, I'm afraid Okay You just hear Percival say We need to talk about Kevin (laughs) (laughs) Kevin is applauded even louder You've than the... You've uh, been that one in, haven't you? <laughs> I could feel it coming, to be fair. <laughs> just kind of there, just kind of like, oh, they're going to... minute I've given them that one. Anyway, 
<laughs> Kevin is triumphant and uh, led out by a team of medics that are clearly, you know, seeing to the uh, cut he sustained, making sure he has no lasting injuries. But with that, the Colosseum's fights are over for the day. Jobal and uh, Ekene and Wakanga. Jobal in particular thanks you for your money and for your company and says eagerly that, uh, yes, if you'd ever stumble across more information of the peninsula or uh, wish to purchase any of my guides to help you collect such information, I would be more than happy to receive you at my villa. As he nods to him, he says, I, I think we'll probably be around to see you at some point regarding one of those, and uh, maybe at some point we can try and, uh, try and get this money back, eh? <laughs> I would certainly like to take you up on that offer. Are you around in the next few days? There is a dino race happening soon. All right, um... I don't know quite what we got planned, but uh, if we're around, then certainly we're interested in seeing you. Ah, certainly, certainly. Well, if you if you wish for something a bit more exciting than the usual bookies for the races, then by all means, seek me out. Wakanga will uh, will let me know if you wish to uh, arrange for a flutter. All right, Excellent. good show. Yes. And with that, you are led out of the Colosseum. It's now getting on to evening. The city's still kind of, in some ways, it's still kind of recovering from the shock of last night, uh, especially the lower town. Um, although I suppose technically we're going up to the Grand Souk, so you wouldn't have seen as much of that. But talk is rife. There's people, you know, swapping stories, uh, guards on patrol, people going about that business. Well, whilst we're walking back to the Grand Souk, did uh, Rana and Siliqui hear anybody talking about them or the people that fought the people off? I was literally about to say that is yeah that you've you've heard yeah. a few people they don't necessarily recognize you but you know you definitely you yeah. hear a few people kind of like yeah five of them there was just yeah just the five of them just held the held the throat Siliqui slightly coughs while walking past them and just shouts <clears throat> four and <laughs> and carries on going <laughs> you hear one of them say how uh, the defenders have managed to you know train themselves a dinosaur in fact to help viciously destroy <laughs> some of the undead at that Siliqui's elbowing Rana and going... People aren't, like, recognising you in the streets because it hasn't yeah. got about yet who you are. But, yeah, about this time, when uh, Zibi and Percival get out of the Colosseum, it is now about the sort of time that you're expected at the Temple of Severas. So, if you guys... Mm-hmm. Are you guys just going to kind of communion there? Okay, so, um, Siliqui's, she's at the souk. She's bought herself some kind of very, very, very thin, sort of ribbony, wiry, sort of golden... Things that she could basically, mm-hmm. and she's basically plaited her hair and sort of weaved them in her hair. Um, Greg, a question: In the Grand Souk, answer: Is there such a thing in D and D, such as resin? Which is resin? Yes, um, a small pot of resin or similar, like, like like smokable resin or like <laughs> craftable resin. Craftable <laughs> resin. <laughs> Just checking. Not <laughs> the not, part. I'd probably be fine to get. <laughs> not that I am aware of. Um, as in, not that, not in the sense that there is li- there is actually an item of like a pot of resin in the book. However, I see no particular reason why there wouldn't be anything like resin being sold. What did you want it for? Uh, she was going to ask Rana if he would like her to make his special peanut into a necklace. Okay. You can be uh, blinged out, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, Basically, the resin coating on it will stop it going rotten. Well, you could always go the, the route of um, amber. 
Though you probably have to wait a couple of billion years for that. Why I is mean, Percival yeah. making these suggestions when Siliqui would have been in the Grand Suit while Percival was still betting? This is just the voice in your head. <laughs> I'd say maybe five <laughs> copper pieces for like a little pot yeah. of resin for the kind of thing so, you're after. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll do that. So some resin, and then she's also got the little um, ribbon wire. I said, I said, Ra- I said, Rana, Rana would know there'd be various yeah. trees and things that would include resin because it's used for like fletching arrows and it's used for like glue and waterproofing and yeah yeah all sorts of things but i'm assuming because there are like trees and stuff like that i'm assuming they probably you probably would be able to get just a little, well little Chult, glass Chult is a jungle peninsula so yes there are yeah. trees um <laughs> <laughs> you oh, think people sure? would sell yeah. things like resin yeah <laughs> it'd probably be in a arty stall type place wouldn't it yeah Again, or like, like a, I say, there's no... hardware kind of painting and decorating. <laughs> Come on, where's the hardware pr- painting and decorating yeah. uh, prints? B&Q. Where's B&Q prints? It's, yeah. it's one of the bloody buildings around here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wait. let's just leave it at that. It's five, 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 copper, <laughs> five copper pieces for a little pot yep. for what you're after. Yep, sure. Bam, there you go. There you go. Right. Cool. Percival, Zibby, is there anything in particular you want to do besides heading over to the Temple of Severus and meeting up with the others? I, th- I think whilst we're walking over there, perhaps we can have a, we can have a chat about any of the guides in particular that we like the sound of. With all these chappies that they mentioned, uh, you know, Zaka, Niku, etc. Um, the chap at the end, um, what's his face, Hack and Slash... Uh, seems to yes. give you a bit of a funny turn there. Um, hack and slash. Um, just something. Don't like dragons much, you know. Kind of piss me off. Well, maybe we won't go with him then. But I quite like the uh, the sound of this Musharib chappy. Well, I don't. I don't mind killing dragons necessarily. Aye, but we need to go and have a look at the forge anyway. That's a very good point. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, anybody that's happy to take us on for not much coin, if any, probably the ones we want to be looking at right now. I plus I've I've always had quite a good uh, resonance with uh, the bearded folk. What hipsters? Sometimes seem as one of their own, you might say. You're, you're a little tall for that, Zibby. I <laughs> but the beard helps me blend in. <laughs> <laughs> Blend into what? Oh, other dwarfs. It, I, 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 it looks like I'm two dwarves standing on each other's shoulders. <laughs> In a trench coat, yes. Aye, yes. That's the one. Classic that's look. Why, Classic. That's why I wear this long chainmail coat. <laughs> I, I've noticed the beard po- poking out underneath it. It's a bit weird. <laughs> as long as it's just the beard, that's fine. If you see his nose, let me know. Okay. <laughs> oh, is that Siliqui over oh, there? that's good. <laughs> hey, Rana, you're, lo- you're looking less monkey-like. <laughs> See, as he scratches himself and goes, Ook! He's holding his own poo. <laughs> Rana nods, um, reaches into his mouth and fishes out half a peanut from behind the back of her teeth and just crunches it and nods and says, um, Fight was good. Always, always bet on the velociraptors. And then pats his pocket. Hey. Hmm. <laughs> so don't, don't, bet, don't bet on a wizard to get a job done quickly though 
Did the bastard. wizard win? Was I right with that one? Oh, he won, he but win. just not yeah. in the, but just not in a way that we wanted him to. But still, I, I've lost every other one, and I thought the wizard would win this one. I didn't bet, and bloody typical. Now, perhaps it's given you an abject lesson in the uh, perils of betting. Don't trust anybody else. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like don't always, put your own bets like, on. Don't don't blame the NPCs. Blame the dice. <laughs> <laughs> they determined. They determined who won and who lost. <laughs> Snyder's Return is a tabletop role-playing podcast featuring interviews and a D&D 5e actual play adventure. So you can learn about different game systems and content creation while also listening to us disrupt everyday life on the Sword Coast. We release episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on your podcasting platform. So come join us as we improvise, adapt and overcome. You eventually, uh, you eventually meet back up and make your way up to the Temple of Severas. As you head up the hill, you are treated to uh, something of a nice view out of one of the steps, sort of looking westward. Through there and through the alley beyond, you can sort of see the sunset as it starts to make its way down towards the horizon. Sunset, again, it's still, it's a little way off, but it's, you know, the, it's still quite pretty. You head on up to the Temple of Severas and Gary meets you at the door and, and asks you just to, just to wait in the foyer for a little while before Grandfather's Tembe comes down. Nice to see you again, Gary. After a few minutes, Mr. Tembe makes his way down and is, you know, he's clearly quite somber, but when he sees you guys, he spreads his arms and says, my friends, welcome, welcome. And again, I thank you for for the service you have provided in in letting us know of, of Annette's passing. But to more pleasant discussions are you willing to accept the offer Gary tells me he has passed on to you is that the offer to um to come and sit with you while you you do your thing indeed it's not like us to deny our visitors the information they've asked for we are a, a fairly simple folk in the in the temple of Severas, but we we do our best to do well by the patrons that support us in in the city and while obviously it's a it's a trying time, I, I I want to I want to make it right and to to give you your answers that you've sought as soon as possible. Well, we would we would be honoured to. It's, um, I'm very touched that you even invited us to be such a personal and private thing. It's it's a great pleasure. I'm so sorry that we had to um we had to give you the news about Annette in the first place. I thank you, Siliqui, and I thank you all again. And he sort of looks to to each of you uh, uh, any of you going to offer a word or two yourselves or you say stay quiet and let Siliquid talk as if he's going to take one of Grandfather's Atemi's hands in both of his and say Grandfather we'd be honoured to join you in the communion fantastic and he looks to you Percival and Rana Rana nods and agrees Percival he also nods and doesn't say anything in which case, we had best waste no time. The light is fading, and it is best to do divining in the light under the sun. Follow me. And he makes his way up through the temple. You follow him, and he leads you through passageways you've not yet been through um, in the Temple of Severas. There's a series of corridors and uh, stairs that he leads you through, and you pass various rooms. You get a, a little bit of a look into each of them. Again, this 
this feeling of grief, of sorrow, is actually prevalent through most of the temple because all the people that you see, all the acolytes milling about doing their doing their daily chores, um, or in some cases you see into some rooms there's clearly like classrooms set out, there's clearly, you know, lessons going on. Mm-hmm. You can see on all of them there's you know, there's they, they they seem they seem subdued and you sort of you you guess at the fact that this is not necessarily a normal subdued for, you know, a, a place of learning. It's a subdued that comes from from loss. And you're led up, and eventually you reach a small walkway, which Grandfather Satembe looks back to you and says, If at all you are worried about heights, I would advise not, not to look down. But it is perfectly safe, I promise. Just mind where you place your feet. Zibby immediately looks over the edge. That's yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. Zibby has no issue at all with that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak for you guys, but I have been of the opinion none of you are particularly bad with heights, I assume, or do you think any of you do uh, have no. an issue? Rana has no issue with heights. No? Percival? No, no Percival doesn't. No, make it aches. So you still see, you get, you again, you're perhaps also, if any of you had, like, a twinge, you're more emboldened by the fact that Grandfather, being quite old, um, struts out quite, quite purposefully across this uh, narrow walkway. You're led out on a wooden walkway that is, again, quite narrow, so you have to walk single file, and on either side of you are small chain barriers to stop you falling straight down into the main hall, which is beneath you. You've recognised this area as the area you know, most uh, often visited. It is the main hall. You can see the little podium where Gary stands beneath mm. you. It's quite beautiful, but has nobody ever thought about um, stabilising or, or making this walkway, the bridge, a bit safer or a bit more structured so you, you, there's no risk of falling off? We are very careful as we make our way out to this platform and, to be honest, our funds have more cares than the structural integrity. It holds well enough and serves for our purposes and more importantly serves the arcane needs we need up here fair enough that's right not having proper handrails is very arcane indeed you need to be open and have your mind clear for the power that we wield yes <laughs> and handrails and no handrails we all know that they <laughs> yes they are completely they are, they are the enemies yes. the nemesis of I, uh, I've, I've heard the dwarves are particularly interested in that sort of um, openness uh, in their, uh, their their cities underground. Where do you think I get the inspiration? <laughs> <laughs> the guy that literally never stops playing dwarves whenever he plays TNT. <laughs> anyway. Um... <coughs> You go out onto this platform, and the walkway is actually leading to this platform. The platform itself is about 20 to 30 feet diameter. Mm. And it's a big circle that hangs beneath the glass ceiling above you. And here, there's actually, even though, as you say, none of you have an issue with heights, when you look up, there is an odd sense of vertigo. The sky is... It's still sort of raining, but even here, even though you're closer to the ceiling, you don't hear the rain pattering all that much. And there's this odd sense as you look up, because all you can see is sky. You know, there's just the roiling clouds above you. Perhaps, Zibi, for you, that's something of a uh, something of a comforting sight, given your, your religion. Mm-hmm. But here, it's even more obvious the uh, resemblance of the ceiling to a giant eye. 
example, you can see that the sort of the blue stained glass actually has these little textures and these little these little sort of rivulets running through them that are very reminiscent of the little lines you see in people's irises. The single, you know, clear, transparent iris in the middle, it does it does feel very much like you're standing in a giant eye looking straight up to the sky. You walk out onto this platform and you are joined by a number of acolytes who quietly direct you to sit around the central piece of this platform, a reclined chair, um, which have any of you played Assassin's Creed? Mm-hmm. No. Yes, but not no? since the first one. I've watched John play it. Fair enough. So again, this is a reclined chair that Grandfather's Tembe climbs into. There's the animus that uh, they use in it. There's the sort of there's the one that you just literally lie on in as like a table. But then there's like a animus point two, um, which yeah. is the second one. I have seen one. the film, so I've, I've got a vague idea of what you mean. It's this chair that simply seems to sort of like hug Zatembe's whole body as he sits back in it, um, and allows yeah. him to sort of lie back and look up into the ceiling. And around this seat, you are quietly uh, directed by the acolytes to sit in sort of an equidistant circle around uh, Zetembe, with the four of you um, sitting with an acolyte between each of you, making eight people seated around Zetembe in the middle. And as you seat, a ninth acolyte comes up bearing a little tray with small ceramic jars on them and he starts to offer these jars to you you're each offered them and Zetembe he indicates to you that you need to drink up it's tea so it's quite warm and it has this quite strong lavender scent it's not exactly overpowering but there's definitely a lot of lavender coming off of this are you all going to drink of course so the will, yeah. Rana will always drink anything he's given on the basis that <laughs> it might be the next best thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before Silicri drinks it, she smells. Does she smell anything else other than lavender? Give me an investigation roll, please. I was uh, going to be sort of doing very similar. Oh, I need Ed Natchez for any rolls with two. Yeah, any of, any of you that want to investigate it can roll an investigation roll to well, have a sniff. Well, investigation was rubbish. She only got three. Mm-hmm. Rana yep. just Rana just takes it and just smashes it straight away. Just yep. throws it back. <laughs> of course he does. Oh, I got to as well. Okay, yeah, Zippy's, yep. yeah, Zippy's just going to drink it immediately. That's fair enough. Okay, so yeah, so you guys don't necessarily <laughs> notice anything. However, Rana and Zippy, can I get a constitution saving throw from you? <laughs> you certainly can. Constitution... Mm-hmm. Uh, um... 12 okay one. Oh, for god's sake uh, 5 <laughs> god's sake can I can I not roll on roll 20 anymore can I actually just roll you just somewhere put those else hey, you. Just pull, pull those I mean, I mean to be honest we've been playing long enough that yeah sure I'd, I mean I trust you guys anyway to you know not be cheating out of out of sight so if yeah if you if you really want to roll well, with something else roll, you can I mean my my rolls on roll 20 are consistently appalling. Just terrible. <laughs> they have um, been. They have been really <laughs> terrible. So, I mean, if, if you're happy for me to roll separately, yeah, then I mean, that you've would You've tried be... to change colour yeah. and it still didn't work. <laughs> Good. I mean, I don't think I've rolled above a 10. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, if, yep, Zibby, if you'd like to roll from now on with the set of uh, proper dice, you can do. Um, I will, however, accept that. I will accept that as the rolls just now because it kind of makes oh, sense. Good. Thank you. 
Rana. Um, yeah, don't worry. It's not, it's not too bad. Um, Rana, you smash it back. And there's, there's an odd aftertaste, Rana, but you're not that phased by it. Zibby, on the other hand, you, you take this drink and you, you taste the lavender. And then just enough that it's rather uncomfortable and gives you pause. You taste this sort of vomit flavor underneath Ooh. the lavender and you gag, sort of choking slightly into your tea as you taste this. Siliqui and uh, Percival, as you've sort of paused to sniff this, you see that Zibi has this reaction. Despite the fact you've smelt nothing strange, do you still want to drink or do you want to, like, pause? You right, Zibi? Has Grandfather's Atembe started doing anything yet or is he just sat in his chair waiting? Everyone's waiting for us. He's sat in his chair. Much like Rana, he and most of the other acolytes have knocked it back quite happily. However, one acolyte whispers to you, Zibi, just says, just pinch your nose. Just pinch your nose and get it down. <laughs> Zibby does exactly that. I guess we'll just ask afterwards. I don't want to interrupt their thing. Mm-hmm. No, no. Not your usual whiskey. I hope it hasn't got alcohol in. If you pinch your nose, you drink mm-hmm. it down, and the vomit flavour is quite surprising, because one second it's there, and then you pinch your nose, and you can't taste it anymore. You can just sort of, you just sort of get the odd, slightly bitty, but sort of like, it's more like sort of sedimenty kind of, like, feel to it. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Percival, Siliqui, are you guys going to do the same? Will you drink with pinch nose, or will you just drink it as it is? Uh, I'm drinking. Uh, Siliqui, just uh, neck it back. She's not messing about her nose. I would like another con saving throw from the both of you, (laughs) and with advantage, though, because you're kind of prepared for it. 19. (laughs) It's one of them, and then the second one, it's not important we do the second one, is there really? Not really, but that's without... Yeah, so 19 plus Constitution right, saving, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's plus 2, so 21. Uh, 14 and a 13. Uh, so 17 in total. So, yep, you drink it back, and unlike Zibi, who actually held his nose, you guys can actually taste this sort of this vomit flavour that's underneath it, but it's not as overpowering, because you were kind of prepared for something that wasn't perhaps very nice. So, yeah, you, you knock it back, <laughs> and you're okay. Once it's been drunk, you all go to place it down in front of you. And as one, the acolytes around you produce these sticks of incense and light them and they start burning and they they place them in the cups in front of them. They put their hands together and they begin to chant. And the chanting, none of you recognize the language, but it has an almost sort of like song-like quality to it. And you, you start to feel this kind of, this warmth that slowly creeps from your stomach and starts to spread outwards through your body through your limbs and you feel this heaviness start to fuse your limbs and you just get this calm sense that you almost feel like you want to nod off but it's not like you're actually tired it's just kind of that odd odd content feeling we're stoned yes (laughs) (laughs) that is that is that is the way of describing it yes you feel you feel stoned um and as you're listening to this chanting and you're sort of you're you're listening to the rises and the falls in the melody, you, you notice something else that's a little bit strange. The smoke from the incense is rising and lasting just a little bit too long. This is not normal incense. It's actually starting to sort of it's pouring out of the cup and just seems to be sort of just filling the space in front of you. To the point that you actually you you start to you start for a second you worry. But then again, that sort of that calming sense that has come from the tea just sort of just brushes that worry away. And as the incense builds up, you lose sight of the people on the opposite side of the of the circle and just this this 
bank of smoke just starts to fill your vision until even if you tried you tried to like put a hand up in front of your face you're not even sure if you raised your hand because there's just this overwhelming sense that you and your body have become somehow disconnected and all you can hear is this chanting around you so we're on some kind of lsd indeed right now cool <laughs> okay dmt from ahead of you you hear Zatembe in a commanding voice call out soul manga and at that far far off you hear the ever so slight beat of drums there's a frantic but oddly rhythmic pulsing far off as the fog starts to dissipate starts to clear and all of a sudden you're flying it seems just above a river a river that you don't necessarily recognize but it's hard to be sure because all around you is jungle you look around and you just you see it's almost familiar in the sense that there's this pressing jungle but the river is flowing fast far faster than you saw say for instance the shoshan star that was a very slow running river this faster river you are just flying along with the water and it feels like you've inhabited maybe a bird or something that's flying along the river twisting round the bends as the river snakes through the jungle and far off deep in the trees this regular drumbeat pounds away for a second you maybe have a look around try to get your bearings look down realize you can't see what you are as far as you can tell you're just eyes flying along this river until at last there's a bend in the river and the water just drops drops down over the edge of a cliff and you fly out over this waterfall and you hang there and look out into a crater and this crater holds a city a very large ruined city blocks square houses of packed crumbling stone that you can't even guess at how much time must have passed for them to become this decrepit but you can still make out this half flooded city for the river plunging down beneath you is beginning to fill that area permeating through the houses you can see bisecting the city there are large raised stone highways of some kind running in straight lines up and down the width of this crater far off in the distance at the other end of the crater you can see rising from an even deeper depression a column of steam where the river seems to be plunging down and you can see by the light of the steam an orange glow that's coming from that depression the other thing that catches your attention is this large circular complex whereas the rest of the city all appears to be built off of a grid system this circular building is closed in by high walls and all of the buildings there seem to be built around one single larger building perhaps a temple perhaps a palace you can't be sure and to your right you see what looks to be a large amphitheater you all have a few seconds i'm going to go through each one of you and ask which way you're going to look it's essentially you have time to take in in more detail one part of what you're seeing right now so percival where would you like to look i'm looking at the temple you're looking at the temple uh soliloquy where are you looking 
the orange glow. The orange glow. Zibby, where are you looking? Uh, the column of steam. Column of steam. Okie dokie. And Rana, where are you looking? Can Rana look backwards where the waterfall plunged into the valley? Of course you may. Like, yeah. Yeah. So no one's looking at the amphitheatre? No, not the amphitheatre. R- Rana wants to look back at the waterfall in the direction that they've come from. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, Percival, you were looking at the temple. As yep. you gaze towards this temple, much like the city beneath you, it has also been the subject of an attack from the river. Half of it seems to be submerged as well. But you can see little flits of movement. It looks like it looks like possibly there's some snakes, perhaps? Um, perhaps sort of like uh, running around. Let's say running, but you know what I mean. They're sort of like they're <laughs> slithering about on snakes some of the terraces. Yeah. <laughs> um you're okay. not entirely sure if they're snakes. It looks like there might be snakes. You see sort of long, ropey-looking creatures that are twisting and turning across some of the terraces. Okay. Siliqui, you were looking towards the orange glow. Mm. As you sort of look towards that orange glow, you can just make out... There's, so there's the depression into which the orange glow is falling, but there is also... There's like a little spit of land, like a little column of rock jutting up out of that depression, sort of away from the edge where it falls down but there's clearly there's been some sort of fall landslide you're not sure exactly what might have caused this particular geological feature um but on top of this is a building of some sorts you can make out Mm. uh zibby you were looking at the column of steam as you look at the steam and you look at the sort of orange, you can correctly, I think, deduce that some sort of magma is creating this steam, perhaps. There's the water running down into it, the steam sort of coming up quite characteristic. It isn't going very high above the crater, but it is sort of going up just above the tree line. And you notice that as you're looking at it, there's for a second you see something dart through the steam, but you're not entirely sure what it was. Could have been a bird, could have been something larger. You're not entirely certain. Rana, as you look back, you turn backwards. And again, you're struck by this odd sense of there's no sense of self. Again, it just feels like you're just a pair of eyes floating in the air. You turn back and you see this water. This water is very rapidly cascading over the sides. And you notice that there is what appears to be a grey humanoid is sort of crouched at the edge of the crater, looking out over the city, looking a little bit sort of demon-like. But after a few seconds, as you're able to take in all of these details, you all of you hear a roar. And this is a powerful bellow of a roar that interrupts you and you all sort of visibly even though you at the minute don't feel like you have bodies you are suddenly just shaken by this sudden change the sudden breaking of the piece that you're looking at and there's this flash that accompanies it and whatever you were looking at suddenly vanishes in this flash and you are directed almost as if by a quick still image your perspective changes and you are now at what appears to be one of the gaps in the wall you're sort of down in front of it looking up towards this gap and it looks it looks like it was once a gate in the wall and for a second you're just looking at this gate but then pouring out of the gate pouring up and even over the walls are snakes snakes upon snakes upon snakes a literal tidal wave of snakes is just pouring out of this wall 
rising up in a great mass to slam down on you, but before they hit, there is another flash and your perspective changes again. And this time, this time you're looking down a long vined alleyway and almost in slow motion you can see ahead of you there is this group of humanoids all facing away from you and one of them appears to have looks like the horns of a goat on their head and they are holding up a yellow banner and the leader is just slightly further ahead of the group and has a hand raised up looking at this enormous black obelisk weather-beaten, yet towards the bottom, still clearly shiny, preserved somehow. It's only seen for a moment, however, before you flash back to your perspective above the waterfall, looking down into the city. And you get this sense that you're starting to pull out, you're starting to pull back up, rising up above the city, up above the crater line, up above the trees, to see where, where in Cholt is this place. As you rise up, you hear another sound. A shriek. A blood-chilling shriek. You turn as if all of you have just turned in the spot to look at whatever the shriek is, and you see a dark shadow. A humanoid, at least, certainly. But all you can really make out are these glowing red eyes. As this creature plummets towards you, and just like that, you are back on the platform. All of you are suddenly shaken from your reverie and all you can see in your eyes as you blink as these burning red eyes full of hatred. And on the chair, Zetembe is mumbling, is crying out, is shaking, he's clearly having some sort of fit. The view lifts up out of the ceiling, out from Port Nianzaro, and flies out over the jungle. Further and further we go, further and further, until we dip down, down into a crater, a crater in which lies a city our players have just seen. And down, down the view goes, through solid stone, through the ground, and down we come until we find ourselves in a chamber, a chamber barely lit by a few dozen candles. There is a small clinking of chains as the man huddled over a small pool readjusts himself, moving slightly just to be more comfortable in his seat. The man is wearing a mask to hide his face that seems to be fixed in place. He looks down into this pool that has just stopped showing him a particular view that he has found very interesting. There is a knock and a door opens and in shuffles a small diminutive figure cast in shadow, not quite lit by the candles. The man in a mask looks up, and in a rasping voice says, almost to himself, At long last, be sure to set up the necessary precautions. The figure shuffles back out, closing the door. The man looks back down at the pool. He grunts, and then gets up with a clink of chains and moves off. He has work to do.